brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts, offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Now, the greatest radio shows of all time. Suspense. The Shadow Node. Washington calling David Harding, counter-spy. Classic radio theater. The Great Gildersleeve. Fibber McGee and Molly. Dragnet. Gunsmoke. The Lone Ranger. Now, step back into our time machine with your host, Wyatt Cox. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. We talk sometimes about Philip Sage Lord and his productions uh, and, and multiple productions. Another long-running group that did a lot of producing shows, Frank and Ann Hummert. And this is one of the shows that they did. Mr. Keen, Tracer of Lost Persons, starring Bennett Kilpack. The show ran from October of 1937 to April of 1955. And this particular episode was from November 3rd, 1949. It is the Forgotten Cave Murder Case. Did you ever wonder why a guy who was tracer of lost persons got into murder so much? It's time now for Mr. Keene, tracer of lost persons. Ladies and gentlemen, Anison and Kalinos present Mr. Keene, Tracer of Lost Persons, one of the most famous characters of American fiction in one of radio's most thrilling dramas. Tonight and every Thursday at the same time, the famous old investigator takes from his file and brings to us one of his most celebrated missing persons cases. Tonight's case is entitled The Forgotten Cave Murder Case. Our scene opens in the dark, damp recesses of a cave, located deep in an oceanside cliff on Long Island. Two men, both with small electric flashlights, are clambering over the slippery rocks, going deeper inside the tomb-like cave. 
Take it easy, Jim. These rocks are covered with slime. Yeah, let's have another look at that map, Ed. Well, we can't be far from what we're after. Look, Jim. The cave breaks into two passages right ahead of us. And the map doesn't say which one to take. Well, maybe they come together again farther up. I tell you what, Ed. I'll take the left passage and you take the right. No, listen, Jim. Let's get out of here. I'm afraid. Oh, forget it. We may be a hundred yards away from a million dollars. And I'm saying it through. I'm going into this part of the cave on the left. Jim! Jim! I'm going back. I'm not staying in this cave another... Jim! Jim! Jim, what happened? Did you fall? There's a knife in his back. He's dead. I'm going to see Mr. Keene right away. Right away. Take it easy, young fella. What's got you so excited? I might fancy Mr. Keene's part. Please let me see Mr. Keene immediately. Either I'm mad or there's been a murder. Chance for service. A murder. I uh, overheard what this young man said, Mike. Come in, will you? Let's hear about it. My name is Ed Johnson, Mr. Keene. And I'll never rest until I find who murdered my friend Jim Ramsey. And got away with his body besides. Got away with his body, Mr. Johnson? Uh-huh. Well, that sounds strange. Are you sure your friend was murdered? Mr. Keene, the local police thought I was a crank. They wouldn't believe my story. That's why I came here. Well, Mr. Johnson, I suggest you sit down quietly and tell me just what happened. We were in a cave when Jim was murdered. In a cave? What were you doing there? Looking for hidden gold, Mr. Keene. Maybe pirates. <laughs> that sounds like one of the fairy stories I heard at my mother's knee. Pirate's gold. Let him proceed, Mike. Go ahead, Mr. Johnson. I realize it all sounds crazy, Mr. Keene. But it's true. I've known Jim Ramsey for over a year now. We were in the clam and oyster business on the Long Island coast. We bought a tract of land for our business. I see. On a deserted part of our land, near the coast, there was an old abandoned house. The place was falling apart, but I've always been pretty handy with tools, and Jim was too. So you decided to repair the house and live in it together near your work, That's eh? right, Mr. Keene. And how did you get this idea of pirate's gold in a cave, Mr. Johnson? We were repairing the chimney, Mr. Clancy, and... We found a map under some bricks. A pirate's map and a chimney in an old house on Long Island. Well, it still sounds like a like a fairy story to me. Mr. Johnson, I'm afraid Mike doesn't believe in buried treasure. But the map led us to an old forgotten cave. The cave was near the house, about 30 feet underground. That's where Jim Ramsey was murdered and disappeared. Hmm. I guess you don't believe me either. But Jim's death was real. He was murdered. A knife in his back. I saw his body. Well, after the local police left, Mr. Johnson, did you return to the cave to look for your friend's body? I didn't have the map anymore. It was in Jim's pocket when his body disappeared. Besides, I was afraid I'd be murdered like Jim was. Mr. Keene, you're known as one of the cleverest investigators in the country. Someone's been murdered, and something must be done about it. Well, I'm honest to say this whole thing sounds fantastic, Mr. Johnson. But I'll look into it. You mean you'll help me? I'll do what I can. When can you come to Long Island? Sometime this afternoon. There's a train at 1. We'll get to Shellview at 3.30. I'll meet you at the station. Very well. Goodbye, Mr. Keene. Mr. Clancy. And thanks again. Goodbye, Mr. Johnson. So long. Sure, and you're not going to waste your time on a yarn like that, Mr. Keene. I'm almost as suspicious of it as you are, Mike. And yet I'm curious, too. But even the local police think this fellow Johnson's a little off balance. Still, why would he come here to ask my help? There certainly is a cave. The police were there. Well, boss, do you think that he and his partner may have fallen in with some dope smugglers or something like that? 
You mean a gang would be using that cave to hide their loot? Sure, it's possible. Mike, I see you're becoming just as curious as I am. Well, there's only one thing to do about it. We're going out to that old house in Long Island and that secret cave and see for ourselves. Johnson said he'd meet us at the station, but uh, I don't see him, Mike. I know it, Mr. King. He's got us way down here in Long Island on a wild goose chase. Are uh, you gents looking for a taxi? I got one right over here. Hire him web, gents, at your service. Oh, uh, you happen to know where the Johnson house is? Uh, you mean that old busted-down hen coop those two fellas lived in? Sure. I can take you there. Come along, Mike. Okay, Mr. Keene. Uh, Mr. Keene, the great investigator. Well... I guess you're here to look into that disappearing body business. Do you know anything about it, Hiram? I mean, how Jim Ramsey disappeared so mysteriously? Maybe I do. Maybe I don't. One thing I do know, though, this section of the country. I know it backwards and forwards. And maybe I can help you out. Thanks, Hiram. Yeah, step into the taxi, gents. She ain't very fancy, but she'll get us there. Excuse me. Is this a public taxi? Sure is, ma'am, but she's taken now. Oh, please. I, I'm sure these gentlemen won't mind. This is very urgent. I've got to get up to the Ramsey house immediately. Ramsey house? Maybe it's known as the Johnson house. It's an old place my husband bought with Ed Johnson. Oh, you're Jim Ramsey's wife? Yes. Margaret Ramsey. You know my husband? No, my name is Keene. My partner and I are on our way to that house ourselves. Mr. Keene, according to Johnson... Wasn't this lady's husband the one who was murdered in that case? Murdered? Jim? No. No, I don't believe it. I'm sorry, Mrs. Ramsey, but it hasn't definitely been established. All we know so far is that your husband's body has disappeared. I guess you won't object now if I go in the taxi with you, Mr. Keith. Why, of course not. All right, Hiram, let's head directly for that old house. My husband, Jim, left me almost a year ago, Mr. Keene, and I only found out where he was during the past two weeks. We'd had a bitter quarrel. About what, Mrs. Ramsey? Another woman. She was very beautiful and artist, and she'd fallen in love with Jim. But we'd been through so much, I felt it was the final straw. How do you mean, you've been through so much? Jim was a dreamer and something of a mystery, even to me. I never heard him mention a word about his family. Oh, I see. He always believed he'd be able to find the, the gold at the end of the rainbow. Every time he came home with a new and sillier scheme to make money, my patience wore thin. Then his relationship with Ann Wharton finished me. Ann Wharton was the artist who was in love with him? Yes, Mr. Keene. Now you tell me that Jim may be dead, that he was murdered. We're not absolutely sure, Mrs. Ramsey. Oh, sense preservers. Don't jam your brakes on like that, mister. This taxi will fall right apart. Uh, that feller's half blocking the road. Looks as if his car's bust down. Sorry if I'm in your way. I broke an axle on my car a few minutes ago. You know, if there's a phone nearby, I'd like to call for a tow car. Uh, no telephones in these parts, mister. We're 11 miles from town. Yeah, I know that. I'm going to drop these folks off up the road a bit. If you want to come along, I'll take you to town on my way back. Well, if these gentlemen and this lady don't mind... Not at all. Get right in the taxi. Thanks a lot. My name's Bly, Sanford Bly. Mine is Keith. This is Mrs. Ramsey. How do you do? My partner, Mr. Clancy. Hello. Glad to know you. Did you say Keene, sir? Yes. The well-known investigator? 
Well, I'm a salesman myself, Mr. Keene. Wristwatches. Long Island's my territory. Uh, there's the Johnson house now, Mr. Keene, up ahead of us. Sure, and the place looks as if it's ready to fall apart. I wonder where the cave is. The cave? What cave, Mr. Keene? Well, there's supposed to be a secret cave nearby, Mr. Bly. I was inside that cave a long time ago. It's underneath the house. Uh, we can stop right here, I reckon. Uh, what do I owe you, Hiram? Three fifty. Mr. Keene. What is it, Mrs. Ramsey? Look. There's a woman on the ledge, near the edge of the cliff. Yes, I see her. She seems to be painting something on an easel. It's Anne Wharton. My husband Jim's been seeing her, and I was right. Oh, now, don't jump to conclusions, Mrs. Ramsey. I suggest we have a talk with Miss Wharton first. Uh, Hiram. Yes, Mr. Keene? Would you mind waiting here with your taxi for a few minutes? Sure. I'll stay. Mr. Bly, would you mind if we delayed you? Not at all. I'll wait in the taxi. Come along, Mike. We'll go over there with Mrs. Ramsey and have a talk with Ann Wharton. Okay, boss. You can hear the surf now, Mike. And that cliff must overlook the sea. This place looks like a desert, boss. Nothing here but sand dunes, rocks, and that broken-down old house. Why my husband came here to such a deserted place, I'll never understand. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Are you looking for... Oh, Mrs. Ramsey. Yes, I'm Mrs. Ramsey. May I ask what you're doing here, Miss Wharton? I'm painting a picture. The view is beautiful from this cliff. How far down is the sea? I'd like to take a look. May I ask where Mr. Johnson is, Miss Wharton? Mr. Johnson? Well, who's he? I don't know him. He's my husband's partner. And I'd like to know where my husband Jim is, too. I had no idea he was anywhere in the vicinity, Mrs. Ramsey. I don't believe you. Mr. King, boss, come here, quick. What is it, Mike? Look down below, Mr. King. Saints preserve us. It's a man's body floating there in the water. A man's body, did you say? Boss, look at his face. You see who that fella is? He's the one who came to our office. Yes, Mike. It's Ed Johnson, Jim Ramsey's friend. And even from this distance, it's easy to tell that the man is dead. Just a moment, we'll return to Mr. Keene and the Forgotten Cave murder case. Meanwhile... November 3rd, 1949, Mr. Keene, tracer of lost persons on Classic Radio Theater with Wyatt Cox. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call working together to keep our country and communities safe. 
If you're ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Now on Classic Radio Theater with Wyatt Cox, more of Mr. Keen Tracer Lost Persons, November 3rd, 1949. Now back to Mr. Keen and the Forgotten Cave Murder Case. Mr. Keen, the famous investigator, and his partner Mike Clancy are investigating a situation that seems to grow more dangerous and mysterious with every passing hour. First, a man named Edward Johnson came to Mr. Keen and said his business associate and friend Jim Ramsey had been murdered in an all-forgotten cave on Long Island, and the body had disappeared. Now, when Mr. Keene and Mike appear at the scene of the crime, they find that Johnson himself has suffered his partner's fate, and his body pushed off a cliff into the sea. A few minutes later, Mike has succeeded in recovering the body, and as he and Mr. Keene examine it on the beach at the foot of the cliff... You were stabbed, Mr. Keene. There's a knife between the shoulder blades. Yes, Mike. Ed Johnson was stabbed and pushed into the sea. We'd better send word to the police in town. Well, we'll tell that hillbilly Hiram Webb to drive back in his taxi. Oh, here's Sanford Bly, the salesman we picked up on the road. What's the trouble, Mr. Keene? I... Holy smoke! Is he dead? Yes, Mr. Bly, he was murdered. Wait a minute. I've seen that man before. You have? Where? On the road, Mr. Keene, about a half an hour ago. Just before my car broke down, I passed a man and a woman walking along the side of the highway. And Johnson here was the man? Yes, sir. Look up there in the cliff, Mr. Bly. Mrs. Ramsey is standing near the edge with another woman, a Miss Wharton. Why, that's the woman who was walking with Johnson on the road. Are you sure? Positive. She was wearing a beret like an artist. I guess you and your partner, Mr. Clancy, here want to report this murder immediately. Yes. Right now, I intend to have a talk with Ann Wharton. Miss Wharton, boss, and Mrs. Ramsey. What happened to that man who was floating in the sea, Mr. Keene? It was Mr. Johnson. He was dead, Miss Wharton. He was evidently murdered by the same person who killed Jim Ramsey. You mean Jim is dead, too? Yes. But up to now, his body hasn't been discovered. I... I never knew. I never dreamed. Didn't you? Then what were you doing here? You didn't come to paint a picture. Miss Wharton... Just why did you come here to this old house, if not to see Jim Ramsey? All right. I'll admit it now, Mr. Keene. I did come to see Mrs. Ramsey's husband. I hoped I could make up with him. What do you mean, make up with him? I'm afraid I made a mistake about Jim. I thought he'd left his wife for good when I fell in love with him. Later, when he broke off our relationship, I realized I was wrong. It was his wife he loved, not me. Then why did you follow him here? I wanted to help him make up with you, Mrs. Ramsey. I don't believe her, Mr. King. It's true. Miss Wharton, you said before that you didn't know Jim's partner, Mr. Johnson. But Mr. Bly told me that he saw you walking along the road with him. That's right. He was the man whose body you just found. But I didn't lie to you, Mr. King. I only asked him the way to the ocean. I didn't know that man's name was Johnson. Well, Miss Wharton, I suggest that you and Mrs. Ramsey wait inside the house. Mr. King, you mean you're holding me 
On suspicion of murder? I'm holding you as well as everyone else until this murder case is solved. I'm sorry if I implicated Miss Warden, Mr. Keene. I didn't mean to make a suspicious character out of her. For that matter, I suppose I fall into that category myself. Why, Mr. Bly? Well, after all, my car broke down just a short distance from here. And I was near the scene of the crime. But only a homicidal maniac would murder for no reason, and you don't appear to be a maniac. Oh, by the way, do you have the correct time? The police want to know exactly when we found Johnson's body. Why, uh... It's five minutes to five, Mr. Kane. Boss, there's the taxi, but where's the hillbilly taxi driver? Oh, here he comes now. Well, Mr. Keene, I guess I may as well start back to town. Where have you been, Hiram? Just looking around a bit. We just discovered the body of a murdered man. What? I want you to report it to the town police immediately. Oh, I'll get back to town in my taxi as fast as I... Mr. Keene! What is it? Come over here and look at this. What's the trouble? My tires! All four of them are flat. The car is useless. Four flat tires isn't exactly a coincidence. I'll say it ain't. Someone must have punched holes in them. Who's going into town to tell the police, Mr. Keene? May I make a suggestion? What is it, Mr. Bly? Well, my car's broken down, too, but I have four good tires. My car's the same make as Hiram's, only much newer, of course. Now, if you wanted to take the trouble to switch tires, it might solve the problem. That's not a bad idea, Mr. Keene. Well, we can try it anyway, Mike. Well, between Hiram, Mr. Bly, and myself, why, we can do the job in an hour. All right. Meanwhile, I'm going to take a look at that forgotten cave. Ah, the entrance is just below the cliff over there on the right, Mr. King, near the old house. Well, Mike, uh, perhaps you can switch those car tires yourself with only Mr. Bly's help. Oh, I think we can manage it, boss. What about me? You seem to know your way around here quite well, Hiram. I'd like you to guide me to the forgotten cave, to the place where Jim Ramsey's body was last seen. Mr. Keene. At least this is as far as the police went. Well, how far into this cave did you go, Hiram? Well, no further than this. I don't mean on the day Ramsey's body disappeared. I mean half an hour ago. What? When you left your taxi a little while ago, you came to this cave again. How do you know that, Mr. Keene? I noticed there was slime on one of your hands. It came from these damp walls. I wasn't trying to put something over on you, Mr. Keene. I swear I wasn't. Then what were you doing in this cave? I was just snooping around. You found something, though. I can tell by your manner that you're hiding very important facts from me. Mr. Keith, I found the body. Jim Ramsey's body. Where? Come over here, Mr. Keith. See for yourself. Bend down. Reach behind this flat rock. All right. Feel anything? Yes. Body of a man. It's undoubtedly Jim Ramsey. There's a small tunnel in there. But nobody would have found it except me. I don't see how you found it either, Hiram. Uh, I used to play in this cave years ago when I was a little shaver, Mr. Keene. I know every nook and cranny in the place. Just a minute. I can feel something in Jim Ramsey's pocket. There it is. Well, I'll be darned. This is the so-called treasure map, Hiram. Do you know anything about it? No, Mr. Keene. I've been telling you the truth. 
I had nothing to do with them murders. And the conclusion of Mr. Keene, Tracer of Lost Persons, November 3rd, 1949, when Classic Radio Theater with Wyatt Cox continues, following these important messages from your favorite station. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now on Classic Radio Theater with Wyatt Cox, the conclusion of Mr. Keene, Tracer of Lost Persons, November 3rd, 1949, The Forgotten Cave Murder Case. Well, Hiram, I'm going to give you a chance to put yourself completely in the clear. Now, if you follow my directions carefully, you'll prove your innocence. I'll do anything you want me to do, Mr. Keene. Then go back to my partner, Mike Clancy, and give him this message, and make certain no one else is present when you do. And if things develop as I think they will... Our killer may discover it's not so easy to get away with murder. Mike, is that you? Right, boss. Where are you, Mr. Keene? Over here, behind the ledge. Oh, thanks, preservers. This cave gives me the creep, boss. Uh, Did you follow my instructions, Mike? Yes, sir. I went back to the house with Mr. Bly. And I told the two women you had found Jim Ramsey's body here in the cave. And that you and I were going to town to report to the police. Then I started the taxi and drove it out of sight. And circled back here to the cave on foot. Did you search that car? Yes, Mr. King. What did you find? Nothing at all. Well, you may not know it, Mike, but you found a great deal. Let me see. It must be at least 20 minutes since you left them in the house. We ought to have a visitor inside this cave within... Boss, someone's coming. Yes. Our murderer, Mike. Hold your gun and your flashlight ready. Right, sir. Flash your light, Mike. What? Don't move, Mr. Bly. If you do, Mike Clancy will shoot to kill. Keen. Put this man under arrest, Mike. For the murder of Jim Ramsey and Edward Johnson. You're crazy, Keen. I never even knew Edward Johnson. You murdered Edward Johnson because he evidently ran into a clue that would have sent you to the electric chair for Jim Ramsey's death. That's a lie. You proved your guilt, Bly, by coming to this cave just now. Jim's body was hidden behind that rock. 
where we caught you stooping. Only one other man knew that body was there, Hiram Webb. Then why don't you accuse him? Because the man who killed Ramsey wanted his body hidden forever. That was an important part of the plan. You came back to hide Ramsey's body in some other place, knowing we'd found it. And what was my motive, Keen? You can't just pick up a watch salesman and accuse him of murder. You're no watch salesman, Bly. You claim your line is wristwatches. And yet, when I asked you for the time, I saw that you carried a pocket watch. Not a very good advertisement for a man in your trade. Besides, I searched your car, mister. Since when does a salesman travel without samples? You were also clever about puncturing the tires of Hiram's taxi. At first, you thought it might prevent us from getting word to the police. Then you decided it would be smarter to lend us the tires from your car, just to make you appear more innocent. You still don't have a murder motive, Keen. Go through his clothes for identification, Mike. I have a feeling his name isn't Bly. No, don't you touch oh, me. take it easy, mister. Or maybe get, get the talk with you. Here. This is what it was. Oh, Bly's. Mr. Keene, his name is Ramsey. Sanford Ramsey. It's on this car registration. So you're related to Jim Ramsey. Look, I'll make a deal with you, Keene. In six months, I'll come into three million dollars. Let me go free and we'll split 50-50. Three million dollars, eh? Whose money are you inheriting? My uncle's. It was left to Jim, but it goes to me if Jim dies. Jim left California six years ago and disappeared. But I finally caught up with him and decided to play this my own way. Now I understand why you wanted Jim's body to be missing. Jim Ramsey was gone for six long years. One more would have made it seven. The man is declared legally dead after seven years. And you'd have inherited the money. The way I planned it, Keen, no one will be the wiser. I knew about this old house in the cave. Then I put the map in the fireplace knowing Jim would fall for it. Thinking he could find hidden gold, search the place. I made that map myself, King. You also made a case for the state that's foolproof. You mean you won't play along with me? Of course I will. As far as a prison cell and a judge and jury... Why, you... Put the handcuffs on him, Mike. Mr. Sanford Ramsey, or Bly if he prefers, is going on trial for murder in the first degree. So Mr. Keene finds a solution to the forgotten cave murder case. Mr. Keene, Tracer of Lost Persons is based on the novel Mr. Keene. The radio sequel is originated and produced by Frank and Dan Hummer. Dialogue by Lawrence Cleek. Bennett Kilpack plays Mr. Keene. It is on the air every Thursday at this time. Don't miss Mr. Keene next Thursday when the kindly old tracer turns to the engaged girl murder case. From November 3rd, 1949, Mr. Keene, Tracer of Lost Persons on Classic Radio Theater with Wyatt Cox. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now on Classic Radio Theater with Wyatt Cox, part four of the five-part Yours Truly Johnny Dollar story, The Valentine Caper. This episode originally broadcast November 3rd, 1955. Two people dead and more to come. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Dollar. What is all this, Johnny? Who's this? Roy Vickers, New Britain Mutual. What happened to Valentine? He was gunned down last night, going into a hotel with his wife. No. The police here are turning the city upside down, trying to get a line on two unidentified gunmen. Well, couldn't you keep him alive? I couldn't even find him. Well, uh, well, this is no time to be yelling at each other. I just left his daughter. Huh? She filed claim already? Through that lawyer Webster? No, no. She didn't even know anything about him until the papers broke the story. Well, I... I'm sorry I got annoyed for a second. Do what you can, Johnny. They'll want a full report. Sure, Roy, sure. Tonight and every weekday night, Bob Bailey and the transcribed adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the New Britain Mutual Insurance Company, Hartford, Connecticut. The following is a further accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the Valentine matter. Item 9, $7 for dinner. I had it with Inspector Charles DeBaca, New Orleans Police. He was a haggard, tired-looking man about that time. All of us were. You want some more coffee? No, no thanks. Two men... Both about six feet, wearing dark suits and hats, medium to slight builds. One possibly 35, the other possibly 40. Well, that about ties up with the description of the two men who plugged Valentine earlier and earned him a place in the hospital. Yeah. We got more of a chance this time, though. There'll be some other witnesses. Somebody has to tell us what kind of a car they had and what direction they went. One thing, they weren't using silencers anymore. No, but they did a professional job. I think Valentine knew him, climbed out of that hospital bed to go out looking for him. Sounds reasonable. How do you figure the rest of it, Inspector? Well, Valentine saw the newspaper story and knew his wife was in town. He went over, got her, and I take it they were going to check into a new hotel when their friends showed up. She just happened to get in the way, huh? Sure. Why'd anybody want to shoot her? Why would anybody want to shoot him? Well, because no matter what he was now or how he was playing it, he still lived pretty hard way back then. A man who has lived the kind of life he has and done the things he has is bound to make a few enemies he'll remember. No, I think it has something to do with his family. I agree with you that Valentine probably made enemies all over. But he wasn't the kind of man to get excited about any of those kind of people. He pretty well knew how to take care of himself and handle trouble. That's why he was out looking for them. You sound pretty certain. It seems to me that if Valentine had been expecting trouble from some of the old-timers, he'd have carried a gun. You got a point. But then again, he was pretty gentled up. You know how he spent most of his time? Painting. Huh? And that house he bought out in Jefferson Parish is covered with pictures he's done since he's been out. Oils. Pretty good, too. When he wasn't painting it, he was listening to music. Huh. 
You'd hardly think of Danny Valentine taking up the arts. Hardly ever. Well, I've got to make a call and get busy. Yeah. Inspector. Yeah. Any objection to me going out and looking around that house? It's your privilege. Personally, I'm going to look around town for a couple of gunmen. Anyone out there now? His cook. Her name's Yachino. Nice woman. Okay, I'll keep in touch with you, Inspector. Do that. Uh, Dollar. Now what? You forgot to tell me you looked up the old family lawyer, Conrad Webster, the other night. Oh, I was trying to find Valentine, the same as you. Well, if you happen to run into Webster again, you tell him to drop in and see me. Huh? He's missing. I didn't know what to say to that, so I left him standing there and went back to my hotel and shaved, changed clothes, and tried to go over the whole thing in my mind. I did phone into the police station and find out that the slugs that had killed Valentine and his wife were from an Italian-make pistol, a rum barrel. 37.5 caliber. So far, untraced. Expense account item 10, cost of cab. From my hotel to Danny Valentine's house in Jefferson Parish. Yes, sir. How do you do? Are you Mrs. Iacchino? Yes, sir. Who are you, please? My name is Johnny Dollar, Mrs. Iacchino. I'm from New Britain Mutual Insurance Company. I'd like to talk to you, if I may. About uh, Mr. Valentine? Yes. Not right now, Mr. Dollar. Some other time, huh? Well, if you prefer it that way, Mrs. Iacchino, but... It's uh... Uh, been a hard day here. I, I mean, Mr. Valentine's death and his wife being killed with him. All of these policemen in and out of here and now. Miss Ward and all. Miss Ward? His daughter? Yes, she's here. Arrived two hours ago. She's... Stay here. Could I see her? You come tomorrow, Mr. Dollar, please. And tomorrow... Mrs. Yacchino. Uh, yes, Miss Ward. Who is it? Uh, uh, Mr. Dollar. He's from the insurance company. I... Insurance company? Yes. I'd like to talk to Mrs. Yacchino. Teresa Ward stood at the base of the iron grill stairway, tall and dark-eyed. And I saw that, like her mother, she had a quiet intensity about her face that made it beautiful. At the same time, ageless. She smiled politely at me. I could only stand there without speaking for a long moment, looking at her. Then Mrs. Iacchino excused herself, and we were alone. I wanted to talk to someone who might be able to give me a little more information about all this. It's all quite new to me. I'll tell you what I can, Miss Ward. My name is Valentine, isn't it? Really, Valentine? Yes, it is. Well, suppose we correct that mistake right now. Sure. There's nothing wrong with Valentine. From what a Mr. Vickers from the insurance office in Hartford told me, I'm to be quite well off because of this man that was murdered. You mean Dan Valentine? Yes, Dan Valentine. Tell me, he was my father. Who told you? Oh, reporters at home and your insurance company. Mother told me my name was Ward. Poor thing. Must have been difficult for her over the years, keeping the secret from me. Yes, she told me she thought it was the best thing. She, uh, well, the same as he did. Tell me about my father. Was he a bad man? Oh, as good or as bad as the Volstead Act made people. I only met him a couple of times. Awaken one morning and discover that you're the only daughter of a famous racketeer who's been murdered. Look, Miss Ward, if he had anything to do with the way you turned out, uh, with what you seem to possess within yourself, I'd say offhand that whatever he was or did, he thought of you. Are you flattering me? I'm not trying to. You seem like a very nice person. And so do you, Mr. Dollar. Will you tell me all about this, please? 
Well, let's see. You're 21, isn't that right? Yes. Just about 15 years ago or so, your father was on trial for income tax evasion. Just before he was convicted, he set up a trust fund with my insurance company to provide for you. It's been paying money for your support and education ever since. According to the terms of the trust, all of the money becomes yours now that your mother and father are dead. It comes to well over $50,000. That's all there is to it? Mm Mm-hmm. I suppose I'm grateful to him. I suppose I should be grateful. I can't say that I'm particularly sorry about his death any more than I would be if any other human being died violently somewhere. But about Mother's death, I... I miss her very much already, Mr. Dunn. <laughs> She was holding up pretty well until that point. Then she let go. I held her in my arms and I talked to her. I told her what I knew of her father's life and death. She told me how she'd been reared so far removed from anything that might have connected her in the least way with the Valentine name. Altogether, it was a revealing conversation for both of us. Mrs. Iacchino brought us some food and wine. How long will you be in New Orleans? Until all of this is straightened out. You mean until they find out who killed my mother and father? Yes. How about you? Oh, I really don't know. After the funerals, I suppose I'll go back. But I wanted to see him, to see what he looked like, what kind of life he led. He was just an ordinary man, wasn't he? You seen these pictures before? No, this is my first time in the house. Looked like Italian landscapes to me. Very good. Mm-hmm. Must have been something he had with Mother. Hmm? She was from Italy. May I ask you something? Yes. How do you feel about him now? Is this for your report? For myself. Well, since you've been here, these last two hours, I, I've begun to think of him for what he was. My father, I mean. I'd like to know why he was killed and who did it. Will I see you again? I hope so. Terry. Yes? I hope so very much. So do I, Johnny. I left her at the door that night with a warm sensation inside of me. Something I certainly hadn't expected in the business at hand. The next morning, I was back at the house talking to Mrs. Iacchino. She gave me all the information she could remember about Valentine's activities. All of it accurate, but lacking in any possible clue as to the identity of the two men who had killed him and his wife. I had breakfast with Terry there and helped you with funeral arrangements. Then I spent a solid 12 hours with Inspector DeBaca, who had still not located or identified the two mysterious men. However, there were other developments. This may be something, Johnny. Oh? Conrad Webster's been found. Huh? Up by Lake Punch train. Just identified him. He was shot to death with a 37.5. Italian gun? Yep. Just like the one that killed Dan Valentine and his wife. It later developed that the slugs taken from Webster's body, when compared with those that had killed the Valentines, were fired from the same weapon. The case took on proportions. Every available bit of information regarding the two ex-big shots of the 20s was located, read, and re-read. It meant activity in cities like St. Louis, Chicago, Detroit, and New York. But no new information as to the identity of the killers. 
I went back to the house. Johnny. Here, here, here. What is this? You're shaking. Hold me, please. Sure. I suppose I'm being a terrible fool about it all, Johnny, but they've been after me all day. Cheap little things. Newspaper syndicate wants me to write my exclusive story as the shadow daughter of Dan Valentine. Fairy princess of a racketeer. Take it easy. Take it easy. Even Hollywood called a producer. Oh, Johnny, I shouldn't have come here at all. Then what would I have done, Terry? What would I have done? Make yourself a drink, Johnny. I'll go put on a new face. It had become apparent to me in the short time I'd known her that she'd grown to love the memory of her father. Also, that the pressure of all that had happened was beginning to take its toll on her. We were walking down the gravel path away from the house. She was quieted down. I suppose I was thinking how nice it would be to kiss her. I twisted, trying for the gun inside my pocket, but there was nobody to shoot at. The two men who had fired the guns were already out of sight. I was alone with Terry Valentine, who was hanging on the gate. I caught her before she fell. She was dead before I could answer. There'll be the final intriguing episode in our story of the Valentine matter tomorrow. Tomorrow, a sober lesson in how long, how far, and how deadly one man's hate can be. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey, is transcribed in Hollywood. Written by John Dawson, it is produced and directed by Jack Johnstone. Be sure to join us tomorrow night, same time and station, for another exciting episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar, Roy Rowan speaking. November 3rd, 1955, Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar on Classic Radio Theater with Wyatt Cox. A lot of the Johnny Dollar shows are courtesy of our friend Ted at RadioMemories.com, who's in the middle of a big, massive restoration project. Check out his webpage, RadioMemories.com. Uh, we're at ClassicRadio.stream. Stream our shows on demand. Learn more about Classic Radio Collecting. You can contact me there. Find our social media links. And if you'd like to help us expand our collection, you can buy me a coffee. At buy me a coffee money goes toward adding additional Classic Radio Theater programs to our collections. Thanks for tuning in. Thank this station. Support their advertisers. Tell your friends the great radio shows are right here at this spot on the dial. Classic Radio Theater with Wyatt Cox on your favorite radio station.